What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Britflix.com podcast. Today with me, I've got Harry McQueen. Hello, Harry. Hello, Stuart. Thanks for having me. And we're on to talk about your debut feature film, Hinterland, aren't we? That's correct, yeah. Absolutely. Do you want to tell the Britflix listener a bit about the film and all the parts you play in it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it does seem a bit like that. Um, Hinterland is a uh, contemporary British uh, road movie. Um, I guess at its heart, it's a love story. It's a simple tale of two old friends that are reunited uh, for various reasons um, and decide to go away for the weekend. And it's set uh, over the course of three days uh, from uh, London to Cornwall. Uh, it's, it's bookended in London, um, but they end up on the coast, down the south coast. Um, and it's a story about um, two people who have been away from each other for a long time and are reconnecting. Um, and it's, I guess I suppose it's about uh, the way things change. Um, sometimes things out of our control um, change everything for us as individuals and how uh, we respond to that. I think it's a very, um, a very intimate film, a very uh, sort of delicate film, very character-driven um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that's the gist of it. I suppose I, uh, I shot it, um, we shot it in 13 days last, uh, February and March. Now, before, um, before, just let me stop you there, Harry, before you go into detail about the process, cause we'll come, come to that. Yeah. Um, sure. just, just to, just to, just to say that you're, am I right in thinking, having checked everything, you're, you're the writer, you're the director, you star in it. And yeah. you're a producer on the project too. Yeah, I'm always keen to uh, to point out as a. I mean, I am an actor. That's that's kind of what I've always done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, it's not. It's certainly not. Um, it certainly was never meant to be an actor's project in that in that sense. So the, my my role as an actor in it uh, came very late in the process. Hmm. Um, but I had a bit of period. Uh, had a period um, uh, in between some acting jobs. Really wanted to make a film. Had done for years. So. Uh, I had this. I'd had the story in mind for a long time, and the characters mm. um, I'd, I'd developed uh, over the course of a few years. But um, yeah, I, I, I you don't have to be guilty about it, Harry. It's just I'm just more pointing it out that, uh, <laughs> that, that that you know you've you've really you're really at the heart and soul of this movie in more ways than one. Because usually, I'm, I'm you know I'm talking to maybe a writer director, yeah. you know, or I'm mm. talking to an actor, you know, who plays the lead role. But you know, it's not always. I'm talking to someone, and you can. Well, we'll get into the the sort of inspiration about it. But first, if I can just rewind the clock a bit sure, on go. on your career path that's got you to this first feature. Yeah. Um, so thinking thinking about because um, interesting, you, you you said you say in your in your your, your press pa- your press pack that um, you know your 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 interest is in the long in the feature film format, not 
yeah. not the short films. So you kind of you've you've essentially mm-hmm. sort of you've gone from not to feature films. There's no short films in in between in terms of directing. Um, <clears throat> so what was it about you know what what film or person in your life or in film represents a tipping point for you to want to become a filmmaker? Um, I don't know whether there's any one person, uh, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a huge uh, film fan. Um, and I think the, the bridge between being a professional actor and becoming a director or a writer is, is sometimes not a, not, a, not a massive leap, really. Okay. Um, but as you say, I've never, I've never directed anything before this. So it was a big, a big leap of faith for me and for everyone um, involved in the project. Um, I think it was just the, a story for me that that demanded a, a long form format. Really, I mean, I've worked on a lot of short films um, as an actor, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I love them. I'm not adverse to them in the slightest. But uh, but there was something like this story that I think warranted uh, warranted a, a, a something like a feature length. Mm. Um, so I wanted to try, if possible, to make it um, to make a film of that of that nature. Okay. Um, which is difficult on a on the budget that we had. I mean, we shot the whole thing um, for ten ten grand, which I uh, which I had actually left to me in a will some years before. So mm-hmm. the challenge really was to to make a to make a film that was um, uh, beautiful visually and uh, hopefully emotionally too um, for that kind of money. Which is, <laughs> as I'm sure you're aware, probably not the easiest thing to do. No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's it's micro budget in the extreme. So yeah, absolutely. you know, for there are some short filmmakers that would consider that not a lot of money. So, I think to uh, have stretched that over a feature is an achievement in of itself. Now, before we go again, before we just get into the details of the film, just get yeah. what what formal um, film or acting education have you received, and how do you think that's helped prepare you for this film? Um, well, I trained. Uh, I trained as an actor, and uh, happily have been lucky enough to have been in front of the camera. A decent amount in in the time I've been doing it. Mm. Um, so I think uh, it, it's def- learning on the job. Where, where was it you trained? Say again, sorry. Where was it you trained? I trained at Central School of Speech and Drama okay. uh, as an actor. Um, but in terms of formal um, uh, cinema uh, training, as it were, as a, as a writer or director or, or or indeed producer, I don't have any uh, any at all. I've never been to a a course or or, or, or had a lesson. I think you learn a lot organically. Um, as an actor, if you if you're open to that process, and actually the first um, the first professional acting gig I ever had just after leaving drama school, very luckily was to be um, was a, which was a Richard Linklater film uh, called Me and Orson Welles, and I think without trying to sound uh, um, glib or whatever, uh, I it, I learned more uh, on that film set than I've than I learned in the you know three years four years at drama school or since really um, mm. working with. You know, phenomenal actors like Eddie Mars and Christian Mackay, um, and, and with Richard Linklater was was a was an amazing experience. And actually, I think that was worth more <laughs> in terms of education than than any of the the paid education, if you like. Yeah, uh, that I've had before that. So. Okay, well, no, that's not that's it's not unusual. Um, no. And 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 I guess I mean Richard Linklater's place in sort of low budget filmmaking as a inspiration to many. Certainly, people who started filmmaking in the nineties yeah. is cemented. So uh, I don't suppose he loses any of his. Uh, and certainly, well, certainly, interviews I've, I've listened to him of late, he doesn't seem to have lost any enthusiasm for for wanting to make a good thing, not just about spending money making films. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, I think he's really he's certainly a director that's really in it for the right reasons, uh, which is which is great, obviously. Okay, well, fast forward to Hinterland then. And yeah. you can, and I'm sorry I kept interrupting you, but I just wanted to get a bit, a bit of background in before we talk about the film. Where, where you've, you've kind of talked about this, started talking about this before I, like I say, interrupted you, but uh, where was the idea for Hinterland born and, and, and what, what's inspired the story for you? Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's quite a personal story. It's not in any way autobiographic. Uh, yeah. As, much as everything is to a certain degree, obviously, but um, I think I wanted to explore uh, explore sort of, well love in the broadest sense, but um, sometimes when it doesn't work, um, and I think I I was kind of um, the motivation to make it happen because I had a it was about timing really. I mean, I had a gap um, between some acting jobs. Um, I uh, was between um, houses at that point, um, living in London. Uh, for not a lot of money, it <laughs> means that you tend to be between houses quite a lot, as, as it happens. But um, I found myself living with my friend in Greenwich, and next door, uh, the next door neighbour was Andrea Arnold, the film director who who obviously made uh, um, Wasp, which won an Oscar, and, and Red Road and Fish Tank. Yeah. Um, and so she, I'd, I'd sort of been tinkering with the idea, and, and she, uh, well, literally bringing in the milk one morning, said. You know, I talked to her about it, and she said, "Well, you've just got to do it." Um, I think she said something like, <laughs> "Jump, and the bridge will find you," or something. Okay. Um, and I thought, well, uh, do you know what? If if Andrea is, you know, if that's her attitude, then then like it, sh- it should definitely be my attitude too. Um, so I think that was a real um, motivator. Um, and then everything really happily fell into place. Uh, managed to get a great team on board. Everyone was in it for. Um, the right reasons because they loved the story rather than because <laughs> it was going to make them any money um, and um, and yeah and, and so I think in answer to your question it, it, it was timing really more than anything else it, it just it sort of had to happen at that time or it was never going to happen so um, that was the motivating factor rather than any um, when it, rather than any one single person I suppose okay. um, but what it, certainly when you got when you got down to writing it as it were so once you took this this advice from your filmmaking neighbour yeah. Um, what what was uh, what led you into sort of the script that you ended up creating? What was what was the inspiration behind that story? You know, in, beyond beyond the kind of just you know, once you said right, I want to do this thing that explores love in a general sense. How did you hit upon the idea you've got for this film? Um, well, a couple of things probably. Uh, the, the, the characters. Um, it's a two hander. I should point out. There's just mm. two people in it. Um, the, the characters Harvey and Lola had been had been in mind um for some years um and i wanted to i wanted to find a way of getting them uh, getting them into a story mm-hmm. um i i loved the idea of making a a, Brit, a very british road trip film mm-hmm. um because i don't think it's a genre that we make really in britain so i thought there was a gap there and also um there's something really uh intrinsically cinematic about um, about being in a car and going on a journey, and there's something very interesting and, and playful and enjoyable about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, really um, logistically, um, it seemed like a film that the kind of film that you could we could make on that budget. So um, I w- I'd always wanted to make a road trip film. I'd actually written one um, a few years before, and, it, and and never did anything with it. So that I guess was still in my mind um, as a genre to explore. Yeah. And then, and then bringing these two characters into it, it was kind of it was it was that process really. And then having 
and then have knowing that we had to shoot this thing for for 10 grand and really wanting to make um a visually beautiful film um which i think is is with the best one in the world is incredibly difficult to do mm. um if you're uh you're just shooting indoors for instance i think it's it, you know so so the genre of a road trip um allowed us hopefully to to do all of those things and i knew um the area that we shot in in cornwall i knew pretty well because i'd been there um on and off growing up all my life for family holidays so okay. um i knew there was a, a a part of the world we could explore that was in itself beautiful so a combination of all of those things i think okay and then and then from the, from the very practical sense of, of writing a script um how, how did you go about you know literally doing it was was there, was there much research to do you know outlining drafting rewriting and i think you mentioned your press back about workshopping for sure um just trying yeah. to get into the understand like your also just thinking back to what you're saying before as well about how for, for those that don't write you were saying these characters have existed for a long time in what sense have they existed um well i suppose i'd i'd always written um so uh, i found myself uh, you know quite often just just person just you know for myself and i i'd found that i'd come back to these characters especially the female character lola okay. had, been, had been someone that had been in mind um f- for quite often had popped up in other bits of writing that i'd done mm-hmm. um yeah so oh, that's, that's interesting no, i just wanted to get guns out and certainly for for the listener just thinking about what that means in terms of yeah <clears throat> i mean I mean, I'm a big fan of Brett Easton Ellis and the Bateman family turns up in all different guises across yeah, his novels, both yeah. major and minor, you know, so it's not... What, what kind of writer are you then? Are you, a, are you up in the morning, you know, or are you burning the midnight oil? Are you writing every day? Um, a bit of both. I try and write every day if I can. Um, certainly on this project, um, I there was there was a lot of, of sleepless nights trying to cobble it all together, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then when when I'd got when I'd got a script of about about forty ish pages, yeah. Um, we yeah, as you, as you say, we we kind of we workshopped it um, as a company, really. If you like, we as an actor, I think it, I'm really interested um, in exploring the creation of of dialogue um, and and text through um, collaboration, through improvisation, through workshopping. The characters, yeah. um, not necessarily in a like in a really rigid uh, kind of uh, months of months of intense uh, Mike Lee style um, preparation, but certainly I think for the performer there's something really interesting uh, and helpful actually to to have a to have a hand in what you're creating. Yeah. Um, so so we we worked from a script of about forty pages, workshopped it. Um, Quite intensely, and then and then on the day we we sort of chucked it in the bin really, and um, <laughs> and uh, was that wise? Um, yeah, well, it, it, <coughs> it seemed like the kind of project and the kind of characters that um, that actually it, it needed to be a bit more organic than that. So we knew what we were doing, and and I think improvisation is is very very um, interesting, an interesting cinematic technique if you if you can use it in a structured way. Um, so we just we knew the characters inside out by the time we uh, the camera started rolling. So it was really um, a question of of the script writing itself when we placed the characters in the scenes. Um, so so in a sense, it was kind of a, t- a two two stage process because we we had we had a physical script and then 
when we got to shooting, we 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 did and we didn't, um, and I think that really uh, helped. Um, I hope to engineer um, a, a, an incredible sense of um, freedom uh, in the film. I think Hinterland has a real um, naturalistic, performative quality to it, and and because it's a two-hander as well, mm. uh, I think you really need to buy into these two characters. You really need to love them and and and. Um, sort of care about their plight and I think the way that we workshopped it the way that we improvised the way that we used the script and didn't use the script um, I think really helped uh, helps that uh, that feeling on screen so but when, when you say you threw away the script what you mean is you ignored the dialogue you were basically the, the, the script as in we're going to be in these places and the purpose of the scene is X or the purpose of the scene is Y still applied but you, absolutely yeah but you, weren't, you weren't tied to any written dialogue, because the way you did, the way it sounded like the workshopping almost sort of enabled you to become the characters. So when you mm. shot, you were just being the characters. Yeah, absolutely. It was really um, <coughs> a sense of um, a sense of knowing exactly where um, an individual scene say needed to start and end. Yeah. But how we got there actually was completely really down to us at the time uh, and the place. Because I think actually the other thing that um, that, that a lot of people will 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 know if you're if you're an indie filmmaker or if you try to make something, um, it's quite often very difficult to get locations, um, and uh, we we certainly shot on the fly. There was a kind of mumblecore esque aspect to the film, mm-hmm. um, although it's not strictly mumblecore film, I don't think. But um, but that uh, in itself engineers a kind of natural um, organic quality to it because. Um, you might think that we were going to shoot a scene one day on a beach, but then when we got there, there was, you know, 400 people there, so we couldn't, <laughs> so we then had to move it to, you know, somewhere else to shoot it. And, and you just have to keep that um, that free-flowing element to it and, and use that to your advantage. And I think that actually has a knock-on impact on the script and the performances because um, you're suddenly thrown slightly out of your comfort zone, um, which which can, can be a really good thing at times. And you can get some wonderful new material out um, from the unexpected. Um, can, can you, without without obviously spoiling the film, can you give an example of where? I mean, it sounds like it did happen. So, can you give an example yeah. of, you know, situation A was the ideal. You get <laughs> yeah. there, and then you end up having to substitute Ab- it with situation B to create the same scene. Absolutely, I'd, I'd written um, I'd written one of the most important scenes in the film, and one of the sort of longest scenes in the film. Really, I'd written on a on a fishing boat out out at sea, mm-hmm. um, and it's the scene where one of the characters um, really opens up and sort of um, is, is, is sort of honest with the other uh, character in the film for the first time. And, and I really wanted um, to place that out at sea because I thought there's a, there's a, there's a, real, um, there's a real sense of, uh, well, freedom and also um, otherworldliness about bobbing around on the sea. And that in itself, I think, could potentially engineer um, a situation where someone would lay their cards on the table, whereas being tied to land somehow um, seemed like that might not happen. So we'd set it out on, on this fishing boat and, and we, went, we went out one day and it was, I mean, it was awful. <laughs> it's the only way to put it. We, we couldn't really film. It was really choppy. It rained. Um, poor uh, uh, Laurie, who, who plays uh, Lola in the film, um, was sick about fifteen times, I think, oh dear. and and we were out there for about four hours, and it was and it was awful. And we tried our best to uh, to sort of 
mumble through what we'd written. And anyway, so we had to call it a day um, and come back in. And and actually what, what happened was that we filmed the scene the following day and found this really beautiful setting on some sand dunes and we filmed it there. And actually it, it worked so much better because not only had we had a sort of a first run at it, if you like. Yeah. We got some really beautiful footage on the boat anyway, um, which kind of becomes a montage uh, sequence in the film. But then, um, but then actually placing the, that really important conversation back on dry land in a really quiet um, environment w- worked really wonderfully. So it, it, I think it can, you can turn it around if you're um, open to the possibility of it being um, uh, not quite as you saw it, I think. Now, I'm, fa- I'm fascinated from, from, as, as someone that does write um, but doesn't act... Yeah. How how you separate yourself when you're developing a script that you've written and developing that character? Because if obviously if I if I workshop a script, an actor starts to read my words and I go, oh my god, that sounds awful, yeah. or wow, that really works. Make sure we keep that or whatever. Whereas you're reading what you've written. Yeah. How how do you and and then and then equally the next step is. When you're kind of when you're in this, as you said, you're you're you're, you're kind of improvising the scene on set and you're directing. Mm. How are you judging the performance from a directing point of view? Um, well, actually, I, I mean, do you know what? I I don't think you can really. I think um, it, it's it's incredibly difficult to be that objective. Um, so. In this instance, um, me being in it, which was actually, which as I said, was a kind of last minute yeah. logistical uh, thing, really more than anything else, and and, and a budgetary thing. Um, for me, I had to back my own ability and mm. be confident that I could pull it off. And obviously, I had written the character, so I knew it in and out. Um, yeah. But um, separating yourself from it is very difficult, and and certainly as a and as a director, separating that from being an actor. Mm. Um, I think is almost impossible. Um, but what that means or what it meant to us was that, um, you know, the whole thing had to, and, and was from the start, a real collaboration. We had a, we had a team of about six, just six of us, including uh, Laurie and myself, who were obviously the, 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 the lead characters in it. And we it's went down and we all, we all lived in our house. And, um, and I think what that m- meant is that other people, my DOP, Ben Hecking, who was absolutely phenomenal, he did a lot of directing, um, on set for the for the simple reason that that when I was in character um you know I couldn't so um it it was very difficult and I don't think uh I don't think you can necessarily however hard you try um uh sort of separate yourself from the characters that you're writing or as a director because I think that, that they're sort of intrinsically linked um which is sometimes a really really brilliant thing and, and a really beautiful thing but um, yeah, it doesn't make doesn't make like life easy on set. <laughs> I say <laughs> but, that but no, it's it's reassuring to hear that that it's you know film is always said when film's done best is collaborative, and it seems that yeah, you, yeah. you benefited from that willingness to be 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 able to work with others and trust other opinions as much as much as your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that especially on a film um, of this nature on that budget, I think it, actually it's completely essential um, for everyone to be reading off the same hymn sheet. Everyone. Want to be getting on, um, and 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 yeah, and trusting everyone is really important. I mean, and I consider myself really lucky actually to have got the team on board that I did, both when we were filming and and uh, in in post production. I mean, what's been really beautiful about the film 
it from my point of view is that people have got on board knowing that this isn't a project that's going to pay them a huge amount but mm. um but have just fallen in love with the characters and fallen in love with the story and therefore you know have, have wanted to come on board and and obviously as a um as anyone making anything um that's the the sort of that's the goal really that's the ideal you really want people to believe in the project um because that's ultimately what's important um and so and so yeah there was that atmosphere every day uh, on set that we would we were all in this together and we were doing it for the greater good and what we were uh, creating was 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 really lovely so um yeah but i think that's essential actually on uh, especially on a film um of this nature uh, in terms of um, the scope of the budget or lack of <laughs> and what would you, i mean it being your first feature film what would what would be a kind of greatest lesson learned that you could pass on to first time filmmakers who are in the pre production process and listening to this now um don't don't be the main part in it as well <laughs> uh, that would be, be the first thing um i think what what i've really learned is um I think what's really difficult is is objectivity, and and I think it's actually probably the most important thing um, because you, you, as you said before, I mean that 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 trust that you have to have that other people um, that other people's opinions might sometimes be better than yours. I think is really really important um, because they are often, um, and uh, you've got to be uh, receptive to the idea. Um, that that that's that that's a possibility. So being being open to everything being a possibility, I think would be the one thing that I would say. Um, don't don't be rigid. I mean, I think you have to be rigid to a certain degree because um, sometimes you have to film. You you know you have to shoot a scene. You've got half an hour to do it. I mean, that's that's by the by. But but certainly creatively, I think just be aware that um, that anything is possible with cinema, which is what makes it such a wonderful medium and, and why it's so exciting. So um, don't be um, uh, sort of don't be sort of blind to that. I think um, just try it all, and um, uh, and and everyone's input is is equally valid. So in a, in a sense, there may be the odd time when you have to be autocratic, but essentially, pragmatism and collabor- and collaboration are going to get you a better film in the end. Yeah, absolutely. You said that far better than I did. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, for me, collaboration is everything, and and. Um, you know, being on having been on film sets as an actor, both uh, pretty big and, and very small, um, mm. it, it it is yeah, it's that it's engineering that atmosphere that everyone's um, valued and everyone's and everyone's having a laugh. I mean, that's mm. the other thing. Have a laugh. It's got to be fun, right? I mean, it, it's 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 stressful enough um, trying to make uh, things like this, uh, even a two minute film. So um, you know, it, yeah, always laugh. I think is the other one. <laughs> And, and make sure there's time for a beer at the end of the day. That's the other probably. The, Good thinking. Probably Good the thinking. most important thing. Um, so where where are you in the process then? Where when when can people expect to see the movie? Um, hopefully very soon. We are um, just tweaking the sound mix, um, sort of in the last couple of days of mastering that, um, and then we're we're done pretty much. Um, just trying to organise. Uh, a sort of press screening slash premiere for it now, okay. um, and then see where we go from there. But I mean, hopefully, in the not distant future, we've we've kind of turned the whole thing round um, in under a year, uh, oh, which which is which is which is no mean feat, really, for for a sort of eighty minute film. So, um, yeah, we're very very close to to it being uh, uh, all wrapped up and, and ready for people to watch. So, so that's just 
it's, it's not been defined yet. You just, when you're finished, then you can start cementing those dates when it will be premiered. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just uh, yeah, we're, we're very very close now to the to the project being um, completely um, to all all the sort of loose ends tied up. Um, and then I'll take it from there. Really, I've got some um, fingers crossed, some some really lovely meetings coming up um, with some industry folk, and obviously we're we're you know we're we're, we're sending it down various film festival uh, routes. So um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But but very, soon. I mean, we're sort of weeks away really now. Okay, is, okay. So. Well, fingers crossed with that. Um, I was fascinated to read this this notion of uh, making the film carbon neutral. And yeah. How how will that work in your mind? Um. Well, I, I'd, I'd, it's very difficult. Actually, is is the first thing um, <laughs> we we tried to make. Um, I mean, well, I think we were helped very much by the nature of the film. I mean, okay, it's it's a road trip film, so obviously there is travel involved and the use of cars, etc. Um, so, but but because we were such a small enterprise, um, I, I sort of always wanted, if possible, to 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 make it. Um, make it carbon neutral if I could I think stuff like that's really important and um and so what what I've what I've been doing is go is been going down the the route of, of of trying to do it retrospectively so there's various ways that you can um offset the car you can you, you calculate the carbon footprint of the film and then uh or, or of any project I suppose and then you you offset it by uh investing in um carbon neutral country uh, uh companies that then invest in say rainforests or whatever um so it's kind of a, a retrospective way of working hmm. um but we tried uh at all times to be as kind of uh aware of that when we were filming as we could be so the, um, the ambition the ambition of making a feature film wasn't enough <laughs> <laughs> um yeah maybe <laughs> Quite enough more than I can choose, Stuart. I think probably. But. Oh well, well no, you know, aim high, aim high. So, so yeah. what's um, what's what's next on your horizon? Are you, are you are you eager to do a next film, or are you is is it acting roles in the near future for you? Anything you can um, talk about? Yeah, I've got a couple of things coming up. Um, I did something for um, CBS in America uh, about the Great Train Robbery, which okay. is um, going to be on telly at some point soon playing, uh, I played Gordon Goody, who's the, who was actually the ringleader of the, of the organizer of the Great Train Robbery. Okay. Uh, so that's, uh, coming up. Um, I'm working on a film called Creditors out in Spain, uh, next month, in April. Who's that with? Um, uh, it's with a first time director called Ben Cura, um, okay. who's, who's an actor as well, actually. Um, but Simon Callow's in it. Um, Christian Mackay, who I worked with in, um, in me and Orson Wells, who's BAFTA nominated for that, yeah. he's in it as well. And actually, the the the, the sort of second time I've collaborated with with him because the the sort of next thing on the horizon actually is a is a short film which I which I'm which I was in as an actor last year called yeah. Blackbird, um, okay. shot by uh, Rob uh, Pettit, which is a beautiful little um, uh, thriller, and it's a two hander, and it's just me and and Christian. So that's just about to sort of. Uh, rear its head so there's a few things happening um i don't know uh whether i could um direct something again <laughs> uh that that soon i think i i've certainly i've got um some scripts that i'm tinkering with but i think yeah. i'll sit sit back from acting and see what ha- uh, sorry from directing and see what happens with hinterland before no I no no i think you i think you jump on board again i think you deserve that position you're in at the moment <laughs> so <laughs> you've got there so see how it goes yeah exactly so well, finally then um harry yeah what what British road movie do you think? I mean, you, you said there aren't many of them, so maybe 
hopefully a bit of a thinker one. What, <laughs> yeah, what British road that... movie is, uh, well, or, or what is the British road movie that's uh, underrated and deserves a bit more kudos in your opinion? In my opinion, the only British road movie, um, straight up British road movie that um, that that deserves a look is is um, Chris Pettit's Radio On from 1979. Um, that is um, a phenomenal film shot in beautiful monochrome um, by Martin Schaefer, produced by Vin Vendors. Um, it's got some it's an incredible soundtrack from um, Kraftwerk and David Bowie, um, and it was a real inspiration for me. Uh, looking into the, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched the film many times over the years, but um, really studying uh, road trip films as a genre, mm. um, uh, yeah. And as you say, we don't, we don't, we don't make them in England. I think because we must. Uh, I think you know, you drive, you drive for two hours in England, and what happens? You, know, you fall into the sea, basically, don't you? There's yeah. kind of there's well, an, there's an end to it. I think we 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 assume, or, or but, just the next city. It's never. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We haven't got that, you know, it's it's not America. That's I think that's a key difference why we don't really wait, make uh road trip movies in this country uh in comparison to Europe or America because I yeah, think so, I mean I remember watching um I think it was Eden Lake where the opening yeah. sequence where they leave London yeah. and go to Nottinghamshire. Yeah, and that's right. It's like they've gone to the end of the world where we know <laughs> that's about 90 minutes away, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the landscape doesn't change at all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, just yeah. a bit of I guess we can. I guess the road trip really was, it really is made for America. But, but you know, that, that, that's what you've tried, that's what you've tried to do with yours. And I guess knowing it does get, it does get rather more, uh, sorry, rather less urban as you go down into the southwest. So I guess that transition from London to Cornwall gives you, gives you plenty yeah. to play with. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And actually the way, the way that we shot the two, uh, the two locations, if you like, w- was, to, was to emphasize that. I mean, with the London stuff is really, uh, it's really kind of, um, artificial light and it's, and it's, and it's quite often at night and it's quite, it's edited a bit differently. The stuff in Cornwall, uh, or on the journey to Cornwall is, is, is huge, expansive shots and, and really wide and really still and really, um, kind of, uh, uh delicate. Um, so yeah, I mean, you go that way and, and, and the sort of the contrast in location is, is really interesting. Well, it certainly, um, look, certainly from the, um, the trailer you sent me, it look, it looks beautiful. Um, oh, thanks. and I'm guessing is is what we were talking before about the horrendous choppy weather you had in the boat. Yeah. Is those little clips on the boat coverage you got during that day? Yeah, so, we only we only went out once. I don't think uh, Laurie would have. Um, I think she'd have killed me if we we would if I'd have uh, tried to get her on a boat again. So um, you must have. Uh, yeah. you obviously, got rid of good moments then. <laughs> yeah, we got we got some nice stuff in between in between being sick. So uh, that was that was that was good. Um, <laughs> There's advice for first time filmmakers: get yeah. the boat shots in between being sick. Well, look, sir. Thank you very much for your time. And you, thanks very much. This for has been me. really really informative and really entertaining. So I thank you. And you, thanks. And uh, well, hopefully, you know, when when you've um, you know in, in the future with stuff, you know, or or what, whether if this gets to uh, hit the festival circuit, and you get you maybe you get some successes, you might want to come back and talk about that. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. It's the Podcast. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.